The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being, first and foremost, an intentional spirit. That's why I know that you're attracted to this show, because we offer tools that that keep you intentional and, and focused and, and more aligned and more attentive to the way that uh, God is bringing those constant miracles in our lives. Uh, and the key is our ability to see them. So when we're being intentional, uh, we're more apt to notice the goodness that's around us. Or we use professionals that that help us to bring us to a a greater awareness. And today, um, we have on our show uh, Ajuna Arda, who is an awakening life coach. And he also has a new book out, which I'm sure he's going to tell us all about. Welcome, Ajuna, to our show today. I'm so delighted you're here. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be with you again. Thank you. Well, how along the way um, did you, I mean, when you were born, did your parents realize right away they ought to send you to the mystery school, or, or did you go to <laughs> some of, oh, I didn't either, some of uh, life situations and circumstances which um, open you up to being more intentional? Tell, tell us about, I'm always more interested in the story than anything else. How did you get from sure. A, of awakening to B, which is becoming? How did, how did that occur? Well, you know, I think in my case, um, it was actually quite the opposite. That's why I was laughing. Um, I was born into a family of uh, probably uh, higher than average uh, anguish and suffering. Uh, there was it wasn't a very big family. I had no brothers and sisters, um, you know, no cousins. But even with a small family, there were three suicides in my immediate family. So that's, you know, that's more than the national average, I would imagine. And even the people who didn't kill themselves in the family were um, definitely uh, thinking about it and talking about it. So there's a very, very high level of mental and emotional anguish and despair. This was, I was born in 1957, so... It was only 12 years since the end of the Second World War, and there was a lot of, you know, there was probably a lot more of that kind of mental and emotional anguish than than there is today. So um, when you're a child, you know, when you're you're little, you don't really evaluate your family very much. Your family is just your family, and beyond your family, out there is the big wide world that you don't know much about when you're a child. But when you get to be a teenager, around 14, you actually start to individuate. You, dis- you, you, you disidentify from being just part of the family and you find out who you are on, you, in, in, on your, in your own terms. And it was really at that age, when I was about 14, that I started to 
take stock of the, the, the hand that I'd been dealt, so to speak, and I realized, well, you know, there is definitely a higher degree of craziness in my family than in most people's. And I realized, well, if I just, if I just carry on as normal, I'm going to end up also suicidal or, you know, or, or um, on, on medication. So, um, so I started to check out what was, what was available to me. And obviously one alternative was uh, psychotherapy. So I investigated that in 1971. But at least back then, you know, when I checked out the shrinks, they were in just as much trouble as their patients were. So that didn't seem like a very good solution. So, um, but then in 1971, there was a lot of Eastern, um, Eastern mysticism was coming. Excuse me, there's a siren. Let me see if I can just relocate myself so we're not hearing it so much. Uh, there was a lot of Eastern mysticism was, uh, was arriving in the West. The Maharishi Mahesh Yogi had just gone off to Bangor in Wales with the Beatles, and a lot of different, um, different Eastern teachings were arriving. So I... I hooked up with that. You know, I, when I was uh, 14, I started to practice meditation. I got in touch with this concept of enlightenment, you know, that was going to somehow be the, the glittering prize that would make everything okay. And, oh, really yeah. for 20, for, and so for 20 years, I devoted myself to all of that, to meditation and yoga and all kinds of different uh, spiritual practices, all the time with this vague notion that I you know, I couldn't quite define uh, of uh, becoming enlightened. I didn't really know what it was, but I, I got the idea that that's what I should be, should be doing with my life, you know. And the whole thing really changed for me um, ex almost exactly 20 years later. When I was 34 in 1991, I met a teacher called H.W.L. Punja, who was a retired army officer in Lucknow in India. And he was really the first person I met who instead of giving me a teaching or a method or a technique, he started to ask really powerful questions that nobody had asked before. Like, for example, he asked me, uh, who is the one trying to become free? Who is the individual trying to become liberated? And, uh, well, that's a whole other story. But when I started to really investigate what was true in this moment, what was already true in this moment, instead of trying to get somewhere else, uh, that's where I was really introduced to the, the possibility of awakening in this moment now. That's very powerful because he, he was asking you to truly explore, explore who you are in, in reference to your, to your soul path. Don't you find that that kind of method is so much more powerful, you know, for individuals as far as becoming an individuation of their own expression of the creator? Yes, exactly. So, you know, the, the, what, what tends to happen is in our, in our individuated selves, in our, in, our, in our unique selves, we can get lost. It's possible to get lost in the story of individuation. So if you think of it like a wave in the ocean, it's like you get lost in being a wave and you forget then that in your waveness you are actually also the ocean. You're not, you're not like, it's not like you have a relationship to the ocean. You actually are the ocean. You're a wave, but you are also the ocean. So it's easy for us to get lost in the story of being a separate entity, in the story of me and my path and my, my journey and my struggles and this and that, and actually all the time waiting for us 
like a healing balm, like a cool drink on a hot day, waiting for us just under the surface of this individual story, is the truth of our deeper nature, of who we really are, which is infinite, which is limitless, which knows no boundaries, which is, was never born, which could never die, and which is actually the source of all healing, the source of all, the solution to every problem, which is actually contains everything that we long for and seek for in the external world. So the art, really, I would say, the art is to live both, to live this infinite, vast spaciousness of freedom, but also to be able to meet the challenge of our individual story with courage and with humor and with generosity. Uh, Say that again. That was kind of powerful to miss there. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny, you know. I was actually. I know you're downloading, and it's just coming natural. And when people <laughs> ask me to repeat something, I go, "Wow, what would that look like?" But if you can repeat <laughs> it, that was a powerful statement. Yeah. Well, let me see if I can get it again. So, let me see if I can approach it from a different different perspective. You know, that let's think about the ocean and the waves. You know, like when you when you see waves coming in on the on the on the on the shore. Uh, waves are individual, right? So waves are uh, separate from other waves. They have their own frothiness, their own speed, their own height. A wave has individual characteristics. But so if a wave looks outward at the other waves, waves, the wave is going to say, I'm separate. I'm separate from other waves. But if the wave turns inward, if the wave looks into its own nature, it will discover it is ocean. The wave will discover, I, not, I'm, I have a relationship to the ocean. The wave will say, I am the ocean. I'm made of the ocean. There's no dotted red line where the wave ends and the ocean begins. Now, in just the same way, there is a dimension of each of us where we are individual. And that's where we have triumphs and defeats and strengths and weaknesses and, and bad luck and good luck and all of that. But there's another dimension of you and me and everyone we know, which is not separate, which is infinite, which is eternal, which is vast. And somehow the art is to live both. If you go too much into the separate story, if you go too much into me as a separate person, you get lost in drama, you know, and it's inherently limited. The story of me as separate is inherently a story of limitation. On the other hand, if we go too much into the vastness, people will go, what? You can go too much into the vastness? People may feel maybe surprised to hear that that's even possible. But if we go too much into limitlessness and spaciousness, into kind of mystical states, it can easily become what is known as spiritual bypassing, which means that we, we try and graduate school by skipping class. Well, you can't do that. You need to face your individual story and master it and come to a place of, of, of generosity and peace and where you can move through this world in a, in, a, in, a, in a condition of freedom. So somehow the art of all this, I would say, is to be connected to the infinite source, but then to have the courage and the skill and the mastery and the humor to be able to live your individual life and to, to make it beautiful, to make it, a, 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 to make it glorious, to make it generous to make it something that one day you can breathe your last breath and know that you live fully. Mm. I, I love um, the way, well, first of all, I love the 
a, a metaphor of, of the ocean wave that's uh, really powerful because it fully defines, you know, being part of the whole and yet being the whole. And I, I, yes. I love I love that. It, it's a very clear example uh, in order to see that. And and I, I like the way that that you um, the, the where your teachings come from because um, for me I like the practical you know part of how we apply it in in day to day life. Like you're saying, if we're just always just talking from the clouds. You know, first of all, we're so quick to be written off by anything or anyone. They're like, oh, that's every person. But, you know, we're missing out on the opportunity of being able to connect with the world and actually yeah. you know, offer some, some great insight to other people about, you know, the stories that we have, we have walked through. And from what I understood from the beginning days of your life, um, you had a lot of crisis and, and tragedy in the early days of your life, and then you moved into then uh, a greater sense of connection. Did you ever go back at any level to having the saboteur um, want to, you know, come and get you, um, or were you one of the fortunate ones, and I, I don't think there's many, uh, that you were just able to keep moving, keep expanding. Not that you didn't have challenges. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, for example, mine was always connected, always knowing. And then because no one recognized me and I didn't have any way of talking about all these things inside, I, I filled the hole with alcohol, you know, and was on yeah, that yeah. quest yeah. of how to be a good alcoholic that was my quest for a number of years, even though I accomplished a lot during those years in the world terms, you know, um, otherwise it was, it was a mess. So were you able just to catapult then to continuing to expand um, without any major uh, hardship as far as chronically or, or long term? Well, it's a very, very interesting question. I'm glad you asked the question. And, and, um, I can't really give you a yes/no answer, but I can give you—I can—I can jam with you. You know, I can—I can—I uh-huh. can riff with you here. <laughs> so, um, you see, my kind of role in life—you know, everybody's got their dharma, their, their their gift they were born to give. My role in life is that I'm a coach. So, as a coach, I really specialize in practice, and it's not so much practice so that you can later you know, work towards some kind of liberation. We can talk about that later, but I, I don't really help people to, you know, become enlightened or something. I help people to bring practice, conscious practice to their day so that today can be an amazing day, right? Yes, so, exactly. Uh, so, so the answer to your question, I think, would be this, that um, it's kind of both. In, in one way, I'm sure just like you, I mean, even in lapsing into alcohol, that was probably a part of your continuing expansion as a human being. It may have been a difficult and even humiliating part of your expansion, but it was part of you having the compassion and the wisdom and the humility that you have today. If you hadn't been through that, that dip, you, know, you, you wouldn't have everything that you have to offer today. So I think in the same way, I feel like there has been a continuous expansion. There has been a continuous and unbroken 
expansion where every day, every day you're standing on the ground that you, that you uh, built the day before. Um, and so it's kind of both, you know. It's like the, 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 the evolution, the expansion never, never ends. Uh, and at the same time, we face challenges. You know, we face, we face difficulties that come up. Like for me, okay, I can give you an example. Right now, I'm not struggling with alcohol, but I'm struggling with getting things done. You know, for me, I have a, a weakness for taking on more things than is really realistic. And then uh, I have difficulty in following through and doing everything that I said I would do. And that's actually, you know, it's not destructive to my liver in the way that alcohol would be, but it's certainly destructive to my relationships if I don't follow through and do the things I said I would do. People get angry with me. Well, that's something I'm dealing with today. You know, I've got a coach, and I'm figuring out how can I be more reliable. Well, that's, that's, a, that's the particular cutting edge that I'm working with at the moment. You know, 12 years ago, I was facing, wow, I was 44 12 years ago, and I realized, wow, you know, am I actually going to die without ever having fully loved courageously? That was the kind of the cutting-edge question. Am I going to die kind of just having limped along in the personal relationship field? And, and so that was where I met my, my current wife, and we've spent the last 12 years exploring conscious mating and conscious relationship. So there's always some way that we're expanding. I don't think we ever arrive at the end of the journey. You know, we're always expanding our potential to love and to give and to be brilliant in different ways. Uh, so I think it's a bit of both, you know. I mean, the, the, the expansion has never stopped. And I don't think the expansion ever will stop. And, um, and somehow when you look back on it, every day, every moment of every day, the triumphs and the defeats, they were all part of the continuing unfolding of, of your brilliance. Mm. I, very well said, sir. Very well said. Well, we're going to break now, but I want to thank all of you for being part of the show today. Um, to hear these words of wisdom of someone that has been there and, and done that, Arjuna Arda. And we'll be right back and we'll be talking about his book called Better Than Sex. So you don't want to miss out. We look forward to having you with us in just a few moments. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Unity World Day of Prayer is Thursday, September 11th. This year's theme is, We Are the Light of the World. Let your light shine. Please join us as we amplify the power of prayer by shining love and compassion around the world. There are several ways to participate. Visit worlddayofprayer.org for more information about this sacred event. Join us and let your light shine. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? 
What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at the intentional spirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And you're listening today, if you're just now joining us, you're listening to myself and Arjuna Arda um, talk about life, uh, the ongoing awakening process that we're in to be intentional spirits. And Arda, um, Arjuna is one of those people, Arjuna Arda, is one of those individuals that he is able to put two things together, life coaching and awakening. And he has recently uh, created a book entitled Better Than Sex, and I, I don't imagine anybody needs me to repeat that, but I will. Better Than Sex, and it, you can go and, and find the book on Amazon.com. Um, Arjuna, how did the, how did the book, um, that's quite a catchy title. Um, it's, it's very provocative and, and, you know, in one way it's, it's really good marketing <laughs> because that's got to get people's curiosity going. I know when I saw it, I went, whoa, okay, what are we going to be talking about <laughs> on Unity FM? Isn't that great? But, uh, <laughs> what, um, how did it come about? Uh, give us a little bit of, uh, some teasers about what we would anticipate. Uh, finding because uh, I know that you bring such value to uh, practical application and how to be intimate in walking the earth. Um. Yeah, well, actually, you know, I'm a I'm a, an awakening coach. That's my my gig in life, and I train uh-huh. coaches. So, so I was in um, Vienna, in Austria, which actually is one of the three seats of the United Nations. There's one in New York, one in Geneva, and one in Vienna. So I was, it was the, 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 the United Nations building in Vienna is huge. It's actually, I think, bigger than New York. So I was giving a talk at the United Nations to people from all over the world. And that was on like, midweek. And then on the weekend, we did a weekend intensive. So many of these people came and they were from, you know, different, different countries. And on the Saturday, I guided them into a process called radical awakening. Now, the important thing about radical awakening is, is that I'm not being the guide or the guru, you see. They are actually guiding, they're actually guiding each other. That's the beautiful thing. I, I show them how to do it, and then they guide each other. And that's incredibly important. We can talk about it in a minute, because it takes away the whole context of hierarchy and very often of patriarchy that has often surrounded these kind of, this kind of inquiry, because it's completely democratized it. It makes it into a level playing field where just friends are guiding friends. So I showed them how to do that. And then on Saturday evening, they all went home. Some went to their hotel, some went to where they live. And, and on Sunday, they came back. 
And then I was curious, you know, we'd had a whole day go by, so how was it? You know, I wanted to know, you've had a day to, uh, to digest this, so how was it? And somebody said, wow, you know, I felt so much, uh, so much at ease. I felt all the stress just pouring away from my body. Somebody said, yeah, I felt so, uh, so, so much love in my heart. I felt such a deep connection with my, with my wife. And somebody else said, yeah, I felt, um, I felt so creative. I spent two hours working on my book last night. I just felt this upsurge of creativity. And so it went round the circle, each person saying, you know, what they experienced, and it just seemed to go from better to, from, from better, to better, you know. From, and then we got to somebody towards the end of the circle. There's quite a lot of people there. And, and her, this was a woman who since then I've become quite good friends with her. And I said, how was it for you? And she said, it's so difficult to describe. I, I, feel, I feel so good for no reason. I've never felt like this before. It's, I mean, I just, I'm tingling in my whole body. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's, it's I don't know what to say. It's, 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 it's better than sex. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, if with your permission, I'd like that to be the title of my new book. So that's how... That's how the book called, called Better Than Sex. It was somebody trying to describe not just what it's like to have an awakening moment, but what it's like to have an awakening moment within that context of friends guiding friends. It's a very specific thing, you know, because in the same way, you know, masturbation is sex you do by yourself, but, uh, but you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, conilingus, I can't remember what it's called, where you actually have sex together. That's something you do with somebody else, right? That's like... Um, participating sex and masturbation and 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 sex sex they're not the same thing you can't say that they're exactly the same so in the same way having mystical experiences on your own is not the same as when we actually facilitate each other into awakening there's something incredibly special happens it's like it's perhaps the deepest form of intimacy you can imagine to guide another human being into this infinite vastness of the, into the, into the, your true heart, and then to kind of go there with them. It's, there's nothing more, more beautiful, more ecstatic, more, more, more of a feeling of home than this uh, capacity for one human being to guide each other in this way. I love that. So what are some of the key points that, that you make in the, in the book without you know, giving away the whole book, of course. Well, I don't mind giving away the whole book. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, so the, the book is really, the book is about how we can explore awakening outside of the context of hierarchy and dogma and often, and often pat- oh, we got some noise there. And often patriarchy, which has, um, which has dominated this kind of inquiry for so long. So the book is about how can we explore Explore awakening in a completely fresh way than we've than we've been familiar in the past, right? So, yes. um, so in order to investigate this, we have to really question a lot of myths. One of the myths we have to question is the concept of enlightenment, which has been so prevalent. It was a, 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 a concept imported really from Eastern traditions not that long ago. And we, so we've got to question that whole thing. Is there really some kind of final state of arrival which qualifies people then to say that they're enlightened and now they can guide other people? Or is that just a mythology which maintains a sense of hierarchy? Uh, there's a lot of things we have to question. Many, many, many assumptions we've made over thousands of years we have to question. So what we've done with Awakening Coaching is we've looked at it in a very pragmatic way. And we've said, 
if we look at this kind of objectively, you know, from with fresh eyes, what actually are the qualities which allow one person to be an effective guide for awakening to another? What are the qualities which allow someone to be a really great midwife of awakening? So in the book, we define seven innate brilliances, we call them, seven qualities which allow anyone to guide anybody else. And, the, the, and so I'll list them for you. The first is inspired certainty. We, we won't have time to talk about them all here, but you can pick and choose. The first is inspired certainty, which means that you have enough of a sense of your own true nature that it becomes infectious. The second is absolute presence, that you know how to be with a coaching client in a way that is completely free of distraction. The third is radical awakening. You know how to guide anybody into a taste of their true nature. You know how to guide anybody into the recognition of their true nature as infinite, as resourceful, as loving in just a few minutes. The next is radical releasing. You know how to support someone to recognize and to dissolve the habits of resistance which keep them separate from themselves and from life. Number five is empowerment practices. You know as a coach how to give just the right practice to somebody so that their brilliance can really start to shine forth so that we move from a theoretical background state to a really empowered state where you can give your gifts and feel that your life is really on purpose and magical and, and generous. And then the, the number six is midwifing the unique gift, which means to support someone to recognize that there is a a gift that they were born to give. There is something that they were born to bring into the world which is actually unique, which is different from anybody else's gift. And then the, the, the last is called spontaneous creation, which is actually how to generate frequencies like happiness or compassion or, um, or, or knowledge and wisdom, how to generate those frequencies from the inside out. So those are the seven qualities which allows anybody to become a fantastic facilitator of awakening to anybody else. Well, I'm I'm interested in certainly knowing more about each and every one of them, but uh, tell me a little bit about the frequency of how to attract more happiness and 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 is that easy to explain in in words? It is. It's actually number 7 for a reason. Right. Because it kind of sits on the shoulders of everything else that I've described. But there's no reason to, there's no, that's not a problem. We can kind of take them out of order in that way. So, yeah, so spontaneous creation is a very simple principle. But there are certain things, there are certain qualities which everybody likes. You know, let's say happiness, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, ve it's very unusual to meet somebody who says, oh, I don't like happiness. That's just not my thing. I, I, I'm sorry, you know. Different strokes for different folks, but happiness is just not for me. That's very, very rare that you find that, right? You, happiness is a kind of a universal, universally desirable principle. Same with wisdom, same with connection and love. You know, there are certain qualities that it would be very hard to find anybody who has an ideological objection to those things. So those are universal. Now, mostly, we try to get happiness or wisdom or security through the manipulation of external reality. So you might try to get happiness by having the right house, the right number of kids, uh, the right spouse, the right job, the right car. You try to get, you know, everything you've been told to get so that you can be happy. But of course, as we all know, 
doing it that way is extremely fragile because you marry the right person, but after a few years, you don't get along anymore, and maybe the person you married, you know, has an affair with somebody else, and then you have the 2.35 kids, which is the, considered to be, you know, healthy and normal, but, you know, maybe the, something happens to the kids, they grow up to be, uh, to be psychotic or, you know, using drugs or something, and it becomes a tremendous stress for you. Uh, you get the car, but of course the car, after a while, it breaks down. So all of these ways of getting external happiness are actually quite fragile. So there is another way to find happiness, which is to learn how to vibrate, how to consciously vibrate the frequency of happiness within yourself. And happiness is just one example. I mean, there are actually dozens and dozens of these qualities that you can learn how to generate a certain frequency and really let go. Let go of how life is going to look for you. You just generate the frequency, the, the, the happiness frequency, rather like the electromagnetic field that is generated around a magnet. And then the iron filings will just automatically rearrange themselves according to the electromagnetic field that you've created. So if you generate a field of happiness, happy things will just start to occur around you because it's resonant with the field that you've created. Now, that is actually, as I said, it's, the, it's number seven for a reason because we don't start there. There's a, there's a lot of groundwork needs to be done before that can be effective. And actually, it's interesting because Jack Canfield, you know, he's a, a friend of mine. We're in the same, uh, the same group, the Transformational Leadership Council. And he was very involved in that secret, in that movie, The Secret, you know, which mm -hmm. is about the law of attraction and manifesting. And Jack, actually, we were talking about why is it that so many people watch The Secret, but actually very few of them made it work. You know, right. lots of people watch The Secret, but most, for most people it didn't work. And it's because you don't start there. You don't start with, uh, with, with that, uh, at that level. You need to start with kind of clearing everything else out. So you need to start with getting getting really connected with your true nature is infinite. And you don't do that through reading a self-help book. You know, it requires some sort of really, I think it requires some kind of real dedication that, you, that, that respects just how important that is, that you, you return to the recognition of your true nature as limitless, as not separate. And then you start to recognize all of the different habits of resistance which have, which have defined you as living in a box and learn to let those go. And when everything starts to really flow again, you discover your unique gift and things are really, things are really easy, then it's time to start using these quite advanced tools of generating frequencies. And it, then it works extremely well. Hmm. That's really powerful. And, and people that are using that technique, do you think it's been very effective for them? Well, as I said, it's a more advanced technique. So um, it takes, it, it, it's something that I use with people when they've already had quite a bit of coaching, you know, when they've really, when their lives are pretty good, you know, there's really nothing to complain about, things are going well money's not a problem, relationship's not a problem, things are kind of humming along, then you can start to generate these frequencies. Now, the thing about generating frequencies is this, and this is a little bit of a reason why the law of attraction <clears throat> didn't quite work out for most people as they hoped. 
Because when you try to generate a frequency that is for me, you know, I want more money for me, you know, which is often how the law of attraction is used, um, the very impulse of for me actually makes it quite weak. Because the reason being that there is a kind of a dimension where me exists as a separate me, but if you look at it in terms of like physics, that would be like an object, you know, that would be like a solid object, a solid object like a piece of coal, you know, it doesn't have a huge amount of energy. If you go to the finer level, and a solid object is very separate from other objects, if you go to the finer levels that have been, that have been explored in the last few decades in quantum physics, we discover subatomic particles which are much, much smaller, but they're not solid and separate in quite the same way. Subatomic particles behave as particles, but also as waves. And when we reach that level, there's incredible amounts of power. Now, that's kind of crazy because, you know, a piece of coal might have millions of molecules making up the piece of coal. But if you strip it down to the atoms and the electrons that make up that piece of coal, you've got way more power. So you go to a finer level, you've got more power. In the same way, when we're working in a universe or in a, um, a way of seeing the world that is very much about me and others, there's not much power in that. It's separate. So it's because it's separate, it tends to, it tends to dissipate itself very quickly. So using, using intention to try and get stuff for me, um, it's, it's fraught with all sorts of difficulties because the me is the realm of the personality. It's the realm where we have fear and insecurity and self-sabotage and all of those forces. If you generate frequencies at a deeper level where you're less separate and more connected, it's much more powerful. So in a strange way, your intention to generate well-being for another person has much more power in it than your attempt to generate well-being for yourself, which is why, of course, in many religious traditions, you know, we, we, the, the, there's a tradition of prayer where you pray for other people. You, 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 pray for, you pray for everybody, you know, and then your own happiness becomes a byproduct, you know. So if you think of somebody like Mother Teresa or um, if you like, you know, Amachi might be an example or, or, um, uh, or Dalai Lama, these are very unselfish people. They're not, they're, you would imagine to Mother Teresa is probably not, when she was alive, she's probably not sitting down saying, oh, please, God, give me a bigger car. Please, please. Oh, you know, please, will you give me more money? It might make me beautiful. She's probably not doing that. She's probably praying for the people in her orphanages. She's praying for the well-being of others. Same you would imagine with Dalai. I don't know these guys personally, but Dalai, you, you kind of know that, that, that very powerful people, their attention is a lot on service. And there's way more power there and then there's an interesting thing, because it's not that by, by, becoming, by becoming in service, it's not that you then become unhappy yourself. Happiness is actually a byproduct of living a life of service and, and, and contribution and generosity. So that's a little bit how that. we work with We're going to... We're going to go to break now. I want to remind everyone that you can go to awakeningcoachingtraining.com. That's awakeningcoachingtraining.com. If you like these types of conversations, you can join us at unitycampus.org, and you can hear messages of this weekly and other insights that we have throughout our campus. So thank you for your continuing efforts and your support and contributions to Unity Online Radio. We truly are the voice of an awakening world. We'll be right 
right back after this short break. Have you seen Unity Magazine lately? There's a new editor, a fresh new look, and now Unity Magazine has gone digital. Print subscribers, you can access Unity Magazine for free from your computer or mobile device. Non-subscribers can buy single digital issues through Google Play, Amazon, and the Apple Store. Sign up at our website and let Unity Magazine become your favorite digital resource for spirituality and inspiration. To learn more, visit unitymagazine.org slash digital. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and we're having some uh, great, insightful uh, communication today with Arjuna Arda. Um, he's offering his new book, Better Than Sex. He's talking about connection and real-life stories and how truly life uh, come together. And he offers his expertise in life coaching, um, which the underneath key is it's about awakening. Um, Arjuna, talk to us about... Um, your radical insights that you were mentioning earlier when we first started talking on the show. Yeah, radical awakening is one of the innate brilliances that we uh, that, that coaches are trained in. Radical awakening, it means the capacity for anybody to guide anybody into a recognition of their true nature, okay? Now, the key to this, the key to guiding anybody into a recognition of who they really are in this moment. The, the vast mother load of gold just underneath the surface of the mud hut, you know, the, the huge resource of creativity that is often hidden from our conscious uh, day-to-day life, the key is always to be found in this very moment now. There's really no time involved in this. You know, there's no future and past involved in the inquiry into awakening. It's always now. So it's very, very simple, actually, and we can explore it a little bit together because in this moment now, since this is radio, one thing we know for sure, absolutely for sure, is that you and everybody listening to the show can hear the sound of my voice. Right? That's, not even, mm-hmm. that's not even questionable. That's absolutely clear that you're hearing the sound of my voice. Now, would you be willing to just jam with me a little bit? Could we go through a little process together so you could kind of uh, be the voice on behalf of your listeners? Oh, well, yeah, of course. Great, cool. 
So let's just ask a few fundamental questions about hearing. So when you hear the sound of my voice, not understand it or analyze it or anything, but just, just to hear the sound, does it require any thinking to just hear a sound? No. Right. And does it require, when the sound is in your ear, I don't know if you're wearing a headset or if you're holding a phone, but when you, just when you hear the sound, does it require any effort or decision to hear the sound when the sound is already in your ear? No. And in your subjective experience, are you aware of any time delay between the sound and hearing the sound? Do you experience time when you hear a sound? No. So actually, those, that's the, the, the answers you've given me are the same that everybody gives. So what that means is that hearing itself is actually thoughtless, timeless, and effortless. That is the nature of hearing. Whoever you are, whether you think of yourself as a saint or a sinner, as successful or as a failure, however you define yourself individually, the nature of hearing itself is thoughtless, timeless, and effortless. And that is true for every human being on the planet. Hearing is thoughtless, timeless, and effortless. Now, since this is true, since hearing is occurring anyway, whether we like it or not, and hearing is thoughtless, timeless, and effortless, whether we like it or not, could you, just could you relax into being that which is hearing? Since it's already present, is, there any, is it okay to relax into being that? Absolutely. Yeah. And in the same way, I don't know where you are right now. I'm outside in my garden. And there's some sunshine and some, some green grass. Where, where are you located right now? I'm sitting in my I, beautiful office surrounded with antiques and things that good. are near and dear to my heart and with my, uh, great. My, great, my great dog named Mystic. <laughs> So just, so it's beautiful. So just look at one of the antiques. Just select one object and then just, and just label it. Okay. And then just label it. Just give it a label. Okay. Like statue beautiful. or table. Just, yeah, give, just label it for what kind oh, of object. Label it. it. Like, desk. Desk. Yeah, desk. Okay. So now a desk, it's, it's kind of got corners, but it's got four corners, right? Yes. On a desk. So just look at one of the corners. Can you do that? Look at one of the corners of the desk, yeah? Yes, uh-huh. And then could you just say the words, I see the corner of the desk? Would that be a true statement, I see the corner of the desk? I see the corner of the desk. That's true, right? Yes. Now, do you have to think in order to see the corner when the corner is already there? No. Is there any effort or decision required to see the corner when the corner is already right in front of you? No. Is there any time delay in your experience between the corner being there and you experiencing the corner being there? No. Do you notice? No. So we could see that seeing is also thoughtless, timeless, and effortless. Seeing is also occurring outside of thought, outside of effort, and outside of time. Right? So again, is it okay to relax into being that which is seeing? 
It's easy to relax when you're just focusing on seeing. Yes. Yes, yes. So now comes the question, you see, for you and for everybody listening on the radio, is this is happening all the time. Things are heard, things are seen, things are felt in the body. So who is it or what is it who is actually seeing and hearing and feeling? Now, of course, there are also thoughts. There's also memories and projections and fears and fantasies. But this is the fundamental question. Who is it or what is it who is seeing and hearing and feeling? In other words, who is it or what is it who is experiencing this moment? And when you pose that question to yourself, who is experiencing this moment, what kind of an answer bubbles up for you? It's my consciousness, isn't it? It's consciousness, yeah, consciousness. And consciousness, does it have any size or shape? No, it simply is. It simply is, yeah. Does it have any beginning or end in time, consciousness itself? No. Very good. So we could continue like this. Obviously, we're just having a tiny taste right now. You know, we're just dipping Mm -hmm. a toe in the water. But what we can see is that in this very moment now, already in this very moment now, Sounds are heard, objects and movement is seen, body sensations are felt. This is already occurring perfectly in this moment. And when we inquire into that which is already present, which is hearing and seeing and feeling, we discover consciousness. We can discover awareness which has no boundaries, no limit, no beginning in time, no end in time, which is absolutely free. And not only when we go deeper into that, we discover it's infinitely resourceful. It's the solution to all problems. It's the source of all love. It's home. It's a feeling of connection with everything. And we did all this by staying in this moment now. There was no sense of any journey or process. We just inquired into what is already true. Now, that is really the essence of radical awakening. Of course, if you work with a coach, then you can go more deeply. You know, if you work with a coach, then uh, you, can, um, you can drop more and more deeply into this. But this is the essence, is to inquire into the reality of this moment, which has been so easily overlooked by our busyness. And some of our busyness is to get more money and be more famous and all of that. But actually, ironically, some of our busyness is actually trying to become enlightened. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, you know, that we put energy, we put energy into trying to spiritually evolve, and we overlook very, very often we overlook what is already here, but easily overlooked. Well, and when we were going through that exercise, what became mindful to me at you know, once we completed it, it is how, you know, no wonder that being in nature and being outdoors and uh, going to the ocean and those kind of things. I know when I find myself, um, you know, getting into feeling 
uh, going in too many directions, I mean, immediately if I start feeling that sense of overwhelmingness, if I either go to the ocean or, or go out in nature, I, I remind myself to start um, seeing and and just hearing what's around me. I immediately calm down um, and I I go right back into that place of, of being uh, relaxed. So that's a it's a very beautiful exercise, and I, I thank you for the way you framed it, uh, because that's a way for people to remit, to truly get into it. Is the the listening, the the hearing, and the then the seeing are just so natural, and, and that place of being relaxed. It's certainly been a pleasure to have you. Um, on our show today, and I, I do want to encourage people to to know more about you and to go to your website, AwakeningCoachingTraining.com, and there they can find out all about your coaching as well as your coaching programs because um, a lot of people now are wanting to take their life experiences and, and become a coach. So I want to thank you so much, Ajuna, for being on our show and and being part. And when you find yourself by way of um, St. Petersburg again, um, please come to our campus. We'd love to love to have you here. Well, that's a very kind invitation. Thank you so much. And keep doing the great work that you're you're doing. Um, for those of you that are listening. Um, that thank you so much for promoting our show and sharing it with your social media and your friends and followers and letting them know about the intentional spirit. It's truly our pleasure to serve you and to offer you tools for an awakening world. And thanks to you, we are in countries um, all over the world. Um, Arjuna, would you like to leave us with one last uh, powerful thought? Wow, a last powerful thought. Well, I think so. <laughs> wow. One, one, of, one of the things that we really uh, explore very deeply at the beginning of every coaching relationship, but also at the beginning of, of every training, is the question, what is your deepest longing? The wonderful question, what is your deepest longing? So I think that would be a wonderful question for everybody to explore, is uh, what is your deepest longing? What is... Uh, what is it that, what is it that's beyond desire? What is it that actually fills you with passion and energy? Because that is really, that is where to harness your energy. That's where you want to plug in to your deepest longing so that your own journey of unfolding comes on your own terms instead of on someone else's terms. Mm. Thank you for that, for that special uh, fortune cookie message today. Um, <laughs> uh, We'll all take the time to to ponder it. Namaste, my friend. Thank you for being with us. And God bless all of you you on this incredible journey that we call life. I'm Temple Hayes, and I want to thank you so much uh, for this uh, experience here on The Intentional Spirit. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehays.org.
God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Rev. Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.